1: Uh, oh, not much, Daryl, man. Just, you know, uh, just following the news and just the tragic incident that happened today at the Boston Marathon. Uh, you know, that's just had the headlines all day. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Uh,
2: you know, um, Sam, um, my, my prayers go out to the families that are victims of this situation. And, uh, you know, this, the news is still kind of sketchy, but from my understanding, two people have died from this, and a lot of people have been injured. And one of the people that died was an 8-year-old child. So, man, uh, my, my prayers go out to this family and the people involved in this in this Boston Marathon. And, man, what a, what a hideous thing to do because this is such a world event. You know, this is not just an American <laughs> event. This is a world event. Uh, matter of fact, uh, two Kenyans won the, uh, and Ethiopian uh, Leslie Desaria, um won the won the race for the women's side, and um, uh, the gentleman from Ethiopia uh, won won the uh, men's side of this race. So, you know, it's 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 almost kind of crazy to see something like this happen on such a you know something we would think to be so exciting and so wonderful to be a part of.
1: Wow, today was also a holiday in Boston. You know, it was Patriots Day, you know, yes. and <clears throat> you you hate to uh, to see this happen anywhere. Whether it's the U.S., it's, it's China, Russia, anywhere. You know, uh, but I, I tell you one thing: uh, on days like this, you know, we're all Americans. There's no. Uh, political uh aspirations there's no republicans there's no democrats you know we're we're americans and uh you know uh we'll pull together through this incident and uh you know i, I kind of like what the president said uh he vowed that those uh who did this will full uh will, will uh feel the full weight of justice uh you know they don't know who did it why they did it but uh you know it's just a a, a terrible thing uh for the people that participated in the Boston Marathon. Like you mentioned, this is a um this is a worldwide event. You know, people come from all over. Uh, people train for this, like they're training for uh the NFL. This is their NFL of uh of marathons. And uh you you hate to see uh incidents like this happen. And uh you know, like you said, our thoughts and prayers go out to all the um the victims and the families. Uh but the most important thing is making sure that uh the people that did this that they realize that uh, we will not tolerate this type of stuff, and uh, you know, it, again, it brings it brings to question: uh, Are we safe at any of these events? Whether it's a marathon, whether it's a baseball game or a football game, uh, uh, I'm sure now that the security will be uh, bumped up a couple notches.
2: You know, and Sam, this is a this is a good question: Are we safe? You know, we go to these events, and sometimes we have events where there are fifty, sixty, seventy thousand people, sometimes more you know uh, i, I w- I've gone to the Daytona Five hundred here in Daytona, Florida, where we have over a hundred thousand people there man and could you imagine something like this happening at an event like that uh, it could be It could be um, devastating. This is a devastating event when only two people die, but when we have such mass congregations of people at these sporting events in America and not just in America, sporting events all over the world because some of these soccer soccer events um in Europe and uh parts of um
1: You're gonna get over a hundred thousand uh, you're going you're gonna get yes. over a hundred thousand people at a at one event and uh you know exactly. I always thought after nine eleven that uh if you were going to attack somewhere you're going to attack where there's a large group of uh, people in a you know what better place than a sporting event and uh you know uh i feel that after 9/11 that with the heightened security that the security at the stadiums they did uh they did a great job of uh checking bags and making sure but now I, I I got the sense uh, from going to a uh, sporting events that the security is kind of um, slacked off a little bit. You know, uh, you you can kind of sneak some stuff into a, a ball game. And, uh, you know, when stuff like this happens, you know, you got you got to always dot your I's and cross your T's and make sure that you're doing the little things.
2: And you're right, you know, at one point in, after 9-11, you, you couldn't take anything into a um, into a game. I mean, you couldn't take a cigarette lighter, you couldn't take anything. And now, um, it, is a, it is a little bit more lax where they don't look into your bags as deep, or um, they don't necessarily ask you to turn around and, and patch it down. And This wasn't long ago where um, we had to go through a lot more security than we do now, and that's not a good thing, I don't think, because the crazies that are in the world have not lightened up they've tightened up
1: uh yeah, no doubt man that uh, they're constantly trying to figure out ways to uh to to beat the system to uh to strike at events like this and uh th- to send the message and uh you know uh th- this is just a sad sad uh yes. sad, sad day in America. Uh, you know, they they said with shattered glass everywhere, smoke, uh, severed limbs. Uh, you know, but the one thing is, uh, I I heard a ESPN reporter speaking, and he and he mentioned that uh, how the the announcer told everyone that they have to they have to be strong in this moment, and uh, you know, don't panic. This is what they've been trained for uh, incidents like this, and uh, you know, uh, just think about the security that was on hand, and uh, you prep and you, and you go through different scenarios. Uh, and you pray that it never happens. But when it happens, you know, you don't have time to feel sorry uh, for for the victims at the moment. You know, you're trying to get everybody, everyone to a, a safe place and uh, make sure everyone is taken care of and no one else get hurt. So, uh, you know, just think about the guys that were right there in that moment and how they had to react. And uh, from everything I've heard, they've, they've done an outstanding job
2: yeah and Sam, this was not an event where we had two teams or where we had um one guy playing against another guy. This was an event that we had twenty four thousand six hundred and sixty two participants, and the average the average um participant usually finishes the race in about four hours, a little longer than four hours and this actually- explosion came at i think it was um four oh nine forty one something like that. Four minutes, nine four, um, four hours, nine minutes and forty-one seconds. You know, and this doesn't seem like an event. This doesn't seem like something that would that happens with someone that just dropped something in a garbage can and waited for an explosion. This seems like it had a little bit more, um, you know, a, a lot more thought went into this. And so,
1: we have to wait and see. And I hope we can get to the bottom of this as soon as possible. Hey, man, the last time someone did this and we, uh, we vowed that we were going to get them, you know, it, it took some time. But uh, eventually uh, they were called and they were dealt with. So uh, I, I have faith in our president. I have faith in our um, security team that, uh, that they're going to do everything. They're going to work hard and they're going to make sure that uh, justice will be served. You know, it's sad. This is the 117th uh, running of the Boston Marathon. And for something like this to happen, uh, I I, I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly that uh, this is something that was very well thought out and uh, they they executed and, uh, you know, they're going to get their day because eventually there's going to be a crack. They're going to slip up and uh, justice will be served.
2: Oh yeah. And, and it's, it's so scary that we see things like this happening right before our eyes on television. You know, it's not like, you know, you hear about it, you know, I, I guess, Twenty or thirty years ago, something like this happened about it. You had to wait until the six o 'clock news. Now, something like this happens about it. Almost everyone knows about it within the hour of it happening, and we have footage of it where we can see it, so it makes it a whole lot more real
1: and it makes it a little bit more scary to me and and, and right now i 'm looking at a picture there 's debris everywhere there's it 's just chaos and uh you know again you hate for anything like this to happen uh kind of just make me sick on my stomach but uh yes. the, the one thing that keeps me going is just having faith in, in our in the justice system and uh in our president that uh we we're going to we're going to find them and we're going to deal with them
2: yes and you know if it's 22,000 participants in this event it's a whole lot of family members come there to see their loved ones, participate in this event, encourage them throughout the race, and, and, and just come to be a, a big family atmosphere. So this was not just a, a, like an NFL game where we go to the games and it's not very many kids around where it's a whole lot of adults. No, this was a family event. This was probably one of the most family-friendly sporting events that we have in America
1: and now after this uh after this incident you got to kind of ask yourself uh how how do you think the sport is going to change because because now where wherever you have big events uh outdoor events how, how do you think this is going to change uh the way the runners think how they mentally uh prepare themselves uh you know it, it's going to be tough for some runners to even want to come back to boston after something like this, Uh, so do you think it's gonna have any long-term effect on the sport?
2: Well, when we look at it, the Boston Marathon, the New York Marathon, these are probably the two highest-paying running events that any of these runners will participate in, in a year. So, more than likely, the money is gonna bring them back. However, if we continue to have things like this happening at American sporting events, I think we're going to lose some of the top athletes in the world that have
1: participated in these events throughout history. Hey man, not to be the dead horse, you know, uh don't want to just keep harping on it. Uh it, it's it's tragic. Our heart goes out to everyone, uh, all of, all of the victims. Uh we're praying for you. Uh have faith. Uh They're going to they're going to get their day where they're going to be judged and they're going to have to account for their actions. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Hey, but man, uh, also this weekend, uh, one of the greatest golf events, uh, took place, uh, from Thursday to Sunday. It was, a some, some controversy, uh, a lot of good golf, uh, a, a eighth grader, a 14 year old, uh, participated. He made the cut and, uh, Adam Scott became the first Australian to win the Masters after uh, topping Cabrera uh, in the playoffs. What were your thoughts on the Masters and uh, some of the storylines that took place over the weekend?
2: You know, man, um, I like Adam Scott. You know, and I watch a lot of golf and I play golf, and and I really like Adam Scott and um, Angel Cabrera. I was pulling for, for pulling for him too. I, I like him. Um, the one thing I don't like about Adam Scott is he has Tiger Woods' old caddy, who talked trash about Tiger. And I think that's, that's, that story has kind of been stifled a little bit because a lot of people don't really like him as much as he thought people would like him after he made those comments about Tiger Woods. So it's good to see Adam Scott as the a, as a big story, him winning the Masters, instead of Tiger Woods' caddy uh, leads Adam Scott to victory. And don't get me wrong, I really think Tiger Woods' caddy had a lot to do with um, what uh, what had a lot to do with Scott winning winning this tournament, man. And, and another thing, Sam, Adam Scott was able to do something that the great White Shark, Greg Norman, couldn't do in his entire career, and that was to win a major and win the win the green jacket of all majors.
1: Hey man, well I will tell you what, Adam Scott's a smart guy in the aspect that uh, anyone that worked with Tiger, you know, that their health. And, and high in a very they're held to a very high standard so for him to, to get tigers caddy and, and to pick his brain and and you know just to say how's this guy wired how did he train how to pre- how did he prepare uh to me that that has to drive you if you're a competitor you know it's like if i had michael jordan's trainer and he's telling me that uh jordan did this jordan did that you know that's going to motivate a competitor so uh you know kudos to adam scott for uh for picking tiger's old trainer and uh hey man there's nothing like winning and uh how about uh cabrera man uh competing uh he he would have been one of the oldest uh champions at 43 years old man and uh he had some big time shots played played a a, a great four days of golf came up a little short uh there, there were a lot of guys in the thick of this thing but uh, you know, there's a lot of controversy also with uh Tiger Woods on day two of the tournament. Uh he was penalized uh on the fifteenth hole. Uh he hit a great shot and ended up hitting the um flag going in the water. And uh Tiger, instead of dropping in the area by the water, decided to uh to drop where he hit from. But uh Tiger uh dropped his ball about two feet from his original um spot. And that's where all the controversy starts. And uh, the tournament didn't really pick up on it until a caller called in and listened to Tiger's uh, interview after uh, his round of golf. So what are your thoughts on some of the issues that took place with Tiger? You know, he ended up being penalized an additional two strokes. Uh, He finished at a five-under for fourth for the tournament. What are your thoughts on how Tiger played, uh, how this is going to affect them? should he have withdrawn from the tournament?
2: Well, I don't think he should have withdrawn from the tournament. But before we go there, Sam, I want to make one more comment about Adam Scott. And you have to commend Adam Scott for for just scooping up Tiger's old caddy because it wasn't a lot of people lined up to take cat, uh, Tiger Woods' caddy. Um, and Adam Scott, he jumped in, took him, and you can see what it's done for his career. But with the situation with Tiger Woods, man, it, it, when we look at Tiger Woods, we see – Thousands of people walking with him. Every TV camera possible is on him. Every shot that he takes at every hole is being shown on television once, twice, three times a lady. Every shot. So when you look at people like Sergio Garcia or, or Lee Westwood, they could have done the same thing easy. And no one would have picked up on it because none of these cameras are following these guys, man. Even when even the guys that play with Tiger Woods say they don't see how he can do it.
1: So, so you're saying Tiger's around. a victim of his own success.
2: I'd have to say he's a victim of his own success. In this situation, he was definitely a victim of his own success.
1: And he also hurt himself when he said that he tried to get a better angle by moving the ball back. And that's really what... Uh, led to a lot of uh, the the controversy uh, from from there. After the caller called in, they started looking at it. It it was uh, what what really led to them penalizing him an additional two strokes. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info, UM on the Voice America Network. We'll be right back after this break.
3: chip station for sports voice america sports your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports
0: you're tuned in to sports info um with daryl and sam call us today at 888-346-9144 that's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
2: And hey, welcome back. Sam, Tiger Woods is definitely a victim of his own success. Not only is he a victim of his own success, I think that penalty that someone on television called in, probably more than likely one of his haters, you know, called in and, and and squealed on him about, cost him a shot at the tournament. I really think it cost him the tournament. I think when Tiger Woods, if he's two shots behind the leaders, those guys have a whole lot more pressure on them than when they look at him and he's four shots behind them.
1: I, I, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, you know, also, if he's playing in that final group, just the pressure that you're going to feel uh, from Tiger staring at you for 18 uh eighteen rounds of golf man you know that's uh something that can be very in- intimidating. But uh you know I also feel that uh you know the the judges if you miss something and someone had to call in, you know, uh what what's done is done man. Uh I I just don't know if I agree with them penalizing him an additional uh, two strokes. Uh, I, I really feel it was an honest mistake because any man that has any intentions on cheating, they don't go on TV and say, Hey, I did this to get a better angle. Uh, I, I just think that it was a, uh, an honest mistake, uh, a little misunderstanding. I, I just think Tiger has too much respect for his legacy and the game of golf to, uh, to try to, um, to try to cheat. Or do something that, that, that he knows is going to cost him or can potentially have him uh, disqualified from the tournament.
2: And, you know, this was probably a blessing in disguise. Because if Tiger Woods had won this tournament, do you know what kind of scrutiny he would have received? You know what everyone would have said, oh, his this, masters, this um, major tournament was tainted. You know, a lot of people say he should have withdrawn from the tournament. So you know a lot of people would have been saying, "Oh no, this is tainted. He should have he should have never been able to take home that green jacket." But man, when we when we look at it and when we think about it, how many other sports can someone call in 3 or 4 hours later and say, "Hey, um, I don't think I don't think that rule was um was was projected in the right way. Um uh, someone made a mistake here. I think you need to go back and look at that." And then change what you call. And that's not going to happen in Major League Baseball. It's not going to happen in in the NFL. It's not going to happen in hockey. It's just not going to happen in American sports. And this is the only sport and the only country that this could have happened in. This wouldn't have happened at the British Open abu dhabi it wouldn't happen anywhere else except in america
1: and you know what that that's a great point because uh you know when you when you mentioned football i think back to the seattle green bay game this year yeah in the controversial call a call that the nfl acknowledged was not the correct call but uh at the end of the day they stood by the call and uh you know i i feel that if they missed the call it was something that uh they should have allowed i mean uh uh I, I play a little golf. I don't I'm not as versed in the rules as a lot of people but it, i I just thought about that game. You know, that game clearly that call clearly cost the Green Bay Packers a game. But the NFL um realized that they, they couldn't go in and change the call and, and change the outcome of the game. That that's just something that you don't do, you know, uh, no one's perfect, uh mistakes are gonna happen. And uh sometimes you're gonna get away with stuff that uh and that's just part of the game. And you have to chalk it up to, to being a part of the game.
2: Exactly. We do have to chalk it up as being a part of the game.
1: But, you know, on another note, man, uh, I'm I'm very happy with the way Tiger is playing. Uh, he, he didn't win this tournament, but uh, he, he's been playing some really good golf to start the year. And my next question to you is, uh, do you feel Tiger will win a major this year with, uh, with the hot start that he's off to?
2: You know, um, I really think he is going to win a major. I think he was pretty much on track to win this tournament in, um, in Georgia. But uh, I, I really can see him winning the British Open. I, I think I think that might be the major tournament he wins this year.
1: Hey, man, uh, we shall see. But uh, I'll tell you one thing, man. Uh, another uh, young man that I was very impressed with is a 14-year-old. Made the cut. Uh, finished 58, shot 12 over. Uh, but he was the low amateur in the event and the youngest to achieve this feat in the 77 year history of the tournament uh you know and he was also penalized for slow play he was warned a couple of times but he was penalized for playing too slow
2: well you know i've seen tiger woods get warned for slow play and i've seen guys warned for slow play on television but never have i ever seen anybody penalized for <laughs> slow play you know and i guess the question is what a, a fourteen-year-old, an amateur, a fourteen-year-old, and he—he's penalized for slow play. I think you got you gotta you, you gotta look the other way every once in a while, and I think this might have been a good good time for them to look the other way, man.
1: Hey, man, if they're not gonna do it for, uh, if they're not gonna do it for Tiger, now you know they're not gonna do it for a fourteen-year-old. But uh, <laughs> hey, man, rules are rules. Hey. Supposedly he was warned, and uh, you gotta do what you gotta do, man.
2: Hey, and and hey, you're right. Rul- rules are rules, but I just I just think they could have maybe um given him a, given him a second warning, and I think after your second warning, the next time there is a penalty.
1: Yeah. Hey, Daryl. you know, last week, it seems so long ago, uh, there was a national championship game in college basketball. The University of Michigan uh, played the Louisville Cardinals in Atlanta. Uh, in my personal opinion, it was one of the best uh, national championship games in the last 10 years. The Louisville Cardinals were victorious, 82 to 76. Uh, but uh, it, it was just an out. Outstanding game from start to finish. And, uh, you know, people ask me, they say, Hey, man, they were right there. They were in it. And I just tell them, I say, We got Hancock, man. We got Hancock. And, uh, and what I mean by that is Luke Hancock, man, uh, came off the bench for Louisville, uh, had 22 points, five of five three pointers, in uh, in a crucial, crucial stretch in that game, uh, he single handedly erased a 12 point lead, man. Hey, and Rick
2: Patino gets his NCAA tournament champion. He's the and, second, uh, 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 he's the
1: first coach to win two national championships at uh, two different schools, man. And, uh, you know, I think a star was born at the University of Michigan. Spike Albright came off the bench. Trey Burke had two early fouls, and uh, he had 17 points in the first half. And uh, he even uh, tweeted to Kate Upton, man, hey, I saw you was at the game. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I ain't nice, mad at I ain't mad at him. Hey, but, you know, hey, man, hats off to Rick Pitino. You know, I said this before the tournament started, that, um, that that Rick Pitino didn't have good karma, some of the things he's done in his past. And the first, I don't know what game it was, but when a young man got hurt for Louisville when he had the compound fracture where his bone was hanging out his leg. Where? The, first, the Where? When where got hurt, the first person on the scene, was rick patino and rick patino had he's gonna have to live with that for the rest of his life that he was the first person on the scene to see that kid's bone sticking out his leg and when you go through something like that with someone i think your karma has to change a little bit and i think his karma has changed a little bit to the point now well hey <laughs> something good happened to him man he won a national championship
1: hey man uh you know hats off the, to rick patino uh You know, I I just, uh, just hearing some of the storylines from the game, uh, him watching, uh, Peyton Silva, his, uh, do everything guard, uh, play at a, at a fast pace the whole game. And, uh, Hearing Patino, how he was motivating them, telling them, "Hey man, you're not in shape. You're winded. You're a senior. How are you gonna do this?" And they say all Patino was thinking is like, "Oh my God, he's playing so hard. Look at him. How is he gonna give anything else?" Uh, you know, uh, just hearing stories like that, it just lets you know how the great co- how great coaches are are able to motivate these young men to push themselves to the limit. And, and when I was watching Peyton Silver, man, he 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 played. Balls to the walls for thirty six minutes. For every second he was on that court, he gave it his all, and uh, he refused to lose. Man, he refused to lose that game. And uh, you know, it was some great individual efforts, man. Trey Trey Burke, the the All American, the consensus Player of the Year for Michigan, got into foul trouble early, but uh, finished with twenty four points. Uh, and I, I tell you, he had to play in a game that was ruled to foul when he went up and it was him and Silva on the break, and Silva went up to slam, and Trey Burke went up, and he just kept elevating, and pinned his shot to the backboard, and uh, was called for a foul. And uh, I, I'll tell you one thing about the game. I I'm, i can't sit here and say that the officiating caused the Michigan Wolverines to lose the game, but I, I will say that this was one of the most poorly officiated games that, uh, that I have witnessed in a long time, but the cause it, it went both ways. Uh, the better team won the game. It was an outstanding game. Uh, you know, I hated to see my Wolverines lose. I, I hated the, the way the refs ref the game, but it was bad on both sides.
2: I would agree that it was bad on both sides. And, um, <coughs> I tell you, man, that block, even though it was called a foul, has to be the most exciting play in the tournament as far as I'm concerned. You know, um, but, I, I, man, I, I tell you, um, Louisville played at a, at a high level the entire game.
1: Now, Trey Burke, even I don't though he know got involved. I don't know about the whole game. I'm going to tell you, I'll I say the second half on, they out us. They they went at us and they out us.
2: Uh, sometimes, sometimes when you when you play at a high level in the second half, it, it appears as though you play at a high level the entire game. Maybe that's what I'm looking at, Sam. But um, Trey Burke played played some incredible basketball throughout the entire tournament, man. And but 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 when we look at Louisville, his, his whole team played at a high level. Um, uh, McGarry he ended up getting in foul trouble with. Didn't help his game out at all. He kept, he, he got hot and cold. It was one situation where McGarry, um, he, he, he literally intentionally fouled a guy. He goes up and makes a basket. Now, if that was not a foul, man, I don't know what a foul was. And I guess, and I guess McGarry, McGarry, he should have actually grabbed him, bear-hugged him, so he couldn't go up and just take his foul if he wanted to foul. Because he definitely wanted that foul. He just didn't think the kid was going to go up and make a shot and be fouled.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it was tough, man. It was a good game, but at the end of the day, uh, I felt a better team won, which was the Louisville Cardinals. Congratulations to Louisville uh, coach Patino, and uh, you know, now when you watch guys, uh, you, you hope that some of these young men decide to stay in school, but but you never know. Hey, man, moving on, Kobe Bryant, the Lakers. Uh, seventeen year vet man injured uh injured his achilles uh he's gonna be out six to nine months and uh the big thing the the big thing is the big question is is will or did did they play Kobe too much man you're talking about a guy that's been playing for seventeen years and he's been playing since he was seventeen years old.
2: Yeah. I think that's what we sometimes lose lose <laughs> track of, and I wouldn't necessarily say he played too many minutes. No, okay, I, hold
1: on, hold on. Uh, I think uh, we, we got a caller. Dee, can you connect us with our caller? All right,
4: how you doing, uh, Papa Lee? Hey, what's up? I, I just wanted to to talk a little bit about that Tiger Woods situation.
1: Okay, can you? We we talked about it a little bit, but uh go ahead, give us the. Uh, give no, us that's the okay. One. Well,
4: you got running short, but you know no, they pop. penalized him for having that ball in the wrong spot, which was a a correct two stroke penalty. Well, the, everybody was complaining because he signed the card for minus three when it should have been minus one, but he wasn't notified ahead of time, even though they knew it. And they checked with with the uh, golfing bodies all over the world about their decision, and they agreed with him. And that kid was, was, was uh, he was won four times before they penalized him one stroke. You know they just didn't arbitrarily do it. And when they play a game like the Masters, they have to go by the rules. They can't break the rules, even though he was a good kid. He was very well spoken, but you know you have to do what you have to do, and that's the way that went. I don't want to hold your time. Appreciate the show. You guys have a good one. Go ahead, keep
2: going. Hey, hey, Papa Lee, Papa Lee, to Let me ask you a question now. Now, Pop, well, how do you feel about someone calling into the Masters and basically snitching on Tiger Woods? And you know, because this is the only sport. And this is the only country in the world that this could have happened in. This wouldn't have happened at the British Open. This wouldn't have happened at Abu Dhabi. It couldn't have happened anywhere else, um, properly. Well, how do you feel about that? But,
4: there are, you know, to be, be frank with you, and they call in all the time on everybody. See, when only, it's only this time they in on. Even though, as one guy pointed out, the camera's on Tiger on every shot. And it's not that way on all the other players. But they call in, as, as one of the officials pointed out, they investigate some of Most of them they do investigate. But what happened, they had already investigated this with Tiger and felt it was okay. But when he got to the news conference and said he moved the ball back, they didn't realize that he had. So that's right. the reason they called him in at 8 o'clock that morning, and they viewed it and went over it, and he agreed with them. But right. they do. They call in. They, well, you know that on Tiger probably more than would anybody because he's on top. But right. uh, they do. He, he pointed out they call in all the time. Yeah.
1: And, and one more question. Do you question. think he should have uh, withdrawn for the tournament?
4: No, you don't get penalized in withdraw too. You know right. they they're gonna do one of the others. He's going if he's gonna yeah. withdraw, then he withdraw. But you the, the rules had already been set. So why should he? Uh, disqualify himself.
2: Exactly. Hey, but at every hole, not every hole, but every group that's golfing, there is a PGA official there keeping keeping the score too. And some people say we shouldn't even have the players keep their own score because we have a PGA
4: official keeping the score, walking with each group. Yeah, but see, it was the placement of the ball that threw everybody off. See, he got a certain amount of distance from where he struck the ball to where he could drop it. And he dropped it out of the area that was designated for that. And he didn't intentionally do it. He thought he was right, and the people at Masters thought he was right until he, he had the news conference the next morning and said he, he dropped it a couple of yards over in order to get a better shot. Well, then yep. they re-looked at it, and, and they was correct, and he agreed with them.
1: Hey, now, probably looking at some of the pictures uh, of where he was at, there were several divots.
4: Well, see, oh, he had his caddy stand where he were. You know, they, they asked him. They said, "Did they ask your cat? Did you ask your caddy to stand where he were?" He said, "Yes." So then, still, he thought he was correct. You see, because if his caddy stood where he was supposed to be, he knew how far he could drop the ball. But he dropped it out of the area. Now granted, he had a two, he had a two point stroke and that would have put him, he had plus five at the very be- at the end. That would put him, I mean a minus five, he'd had a minus seven. But if that ball hadn't hit that post and went in the water, I think we would have had a different ending at the Masters. Because he would kind have threw the wind out of his sails when that went in that He went on and bogged another hole. Yeah. So, hey, uh, Papa, you, know, you know, he'll have other chances. Oh, yeah, we got to go to break. He was going right
1: on at him. I believe we got to go to break real quick. We want to thank you for calling. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network. Have a good one.
3: chip station for sports voice america sports The Voice America Sports Network. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is
1: today. Now we can do more to help them.
3: The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit nflalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
0: You're tuned in to Sports Info U.M. with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum 3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
2: And hey, welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, Sam, we were just talking about the Kobe Bryant situation. And I'd uh, and have to say, man, Kobe Bryant did not play too many inj- too many minutes. Uh, and, and you and I both know people that have suffered the Achilles injuries Achilles, Achilles heel injury, and this is an injury you can happen by just that can happen by just jogging, um, stopping and planting. You can have it
1: walking, man. You, you can, can step down a step and you can blow out your Achilles. Exactly, uh,
2: exactly. So, you know, it's a uh,
1: it, it's a very unfortunate. Uh, Injury for Kobe, you know, uh, he, he's at the uh, he's at the end of his career. And, uh, you know, he, he's not in a lot of, of the MVP conversations. But if you really look at the body of work that Kobe has put in this year, man, he's playing some outstanding basketball, especially when you factor in the, the number of years he's played. Yes. And, uh, man, it, it's just very unfortunate. But if anyone can bounce back from an injury like this, it's Kobe Bryant. But I have two questions for you, Daryl. How will this factor into Dwight Howard's free agency plans? I really think Dwight Howard is going to come back now because this is his team.
2: And uh, he might even be able to handpick who he wants to come and play with him. And, you know, I'm not, a big, I'm not a big Dwight Howard fan. I wasn't a big fan of his when he was in Orlando right up the street from us. And I'm not a big fan of his now and in L.A. I think he's, a, he's an immature young man and it just don't seem to get it. Uh, but the, the big question to me is, Sam, have we seen the last game Kobe Bryant is going to play? And I guess I'm saying this is my thoughts on Kobe Bryant. I think he's no longer going to play in the NBA anymore. I think uh, Kobe Bryant is getting ready to now go to Europe and be a mega superstar in the European Basketball League And and because he's not going to have to play at a level he's going to have to play at in the NBA. He's proved himself in the NBA He has the championships to to, to show it. Now he could just go over to Europe playing an Italian football league. He speaks fluent Italian, an an Italian basketball league. He speaks fluent Italian. I think he'd have a great career over there for about five or six more years. And hey, and guess what? Every night we'd hear about what he did on TV in America. Probably
1: well, be showing the games. Well, Kobe said that he feels he can play at a high level for five more years. Uh, I, I don't agree with you in the aspect that we've seen the last of Kobe in the NBA. I think Kobe's too much of a, a competitor to, um, to go out. Like this uh the six to nine the nine months puts Kobe closer to December January from returning uh, from his injury uh, I, I really don't think he's going to take that nine months uh I wouldn't be surprised if Kobe go over to Europe and have his surgery. you know he's went over there and had some procedures on his knee, and uh to me. In my opinion, that did wonders for his career because the way Kobe was playing this year, it's like he was 28, 29 years old, man. He had a little extra bounce in his jump. A couple of years ago, Kobe could, be- could barely elevate off the ground. So uh I-, I really don't feel that this is the end for Kobe in the NBA. Uh, I do feel that... uh The Lakers are going to be in a very, very tough situation in how they handle the Kobe Bryant situation. And what I mean by that is Kobe Bryant is on the books for $30 million for next season. That's another reason he's not going uh, to Italy anytime soon, because for $30 million, whether he play or not, the Lakers owe him that money. But the thing that I would like to know is, are the Lakers thinking about using the amnesty clause on Kobe Bryant? That way, if they use the amnesty clause on Kobe Bryant, they can save between 60 and $80 million when you factor in his salary and the, um, the luxury taxes that they're going to have to pay for Kobe. So that's an option for L.A., that, and that's something, regardless of if they're saying it publicly or not, that they have to be considering. That's a lot of money, no matter how you slice it and no matter how great he has been to that franchise.
2: And I think you may have something there, Sam, because, you know, Mr. Buss died. Mr. Bus that brought in Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, all of those guys. He's no longer in charge. Um, I think you may be on to something there because the Lakers are going to be trying to find a way to make this team younger. And one of the few ways to make it younger is get rid of the oldest guy. And Kobe Bryant is one of the oldest players on that roster.
1: So, so, you know, sixty to $80 million, that's a lot to consider. I know they want to be loyal to Kobe, but, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> who would have ever thought that Peyton would lead the coach, that uh, Montana would lead the 49ers, that Farr would lead the Packers, you know. Uh, stuff like this happens all the time in sports, especially when a guy is uh, nearing the end of his career.
2: Well, we see players like Grant Hill still holding on and playing basketball uh, on the other side of L.A. for the Clippers. And uh, I, I could see Kobe Bryant playing for some years, some more years maybe in the NBA, but I got a feeling that we're going to see him play more of more basketball in Europe than we
1: are in the NBA in the years to come. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Hey, Dale, just real quick, you know, a question that uh somebody brought it to my to my attention, uh you know, if if you trade LeBron James head head up to any team for their superstar, will that team become an instant contender for the NBA championship.
2: Yes. You know, I think LeBron needs a little help, but yes, I think they're a contender. They're a playoff team for sure.
1: All right. And, and the reason I ask that, because you, you think about what LeBron James did with the Cleveland Cavaliers with not much help. You know, right. number, number one seed, 50-plus victories, uh, made it to the NBA Finals. You know, uh, I, I really feel that he's that, that rare player in the in, in the NBA that you can place on anybody's roster, and, and they're going to be an instant contender. Uh, if we took LeBron James and put him on the Bobcats, the Charlotte Bobcats, they go from 17 to 20 wins to 40 to 50 wins. I would agree. LeBron James, it, 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 he's just that good. He's playing at a high level, and you know,
2: um, you not to harp, on this LA thing.
1: Go ahead. But if LeBron James opts out of his contract in 2014, the one team that can afford to pay that luxury tax is the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, that's, some, that's something that 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 the basketball world definitely need to keep their eye on because you know what? Miami's nice, but there's no market like LA or New York. You know, they call Miami the
2: LA of the (laughs) East Coast. They don't call LA Miami (laughs) of the West Coast. (laughs) It's
1: a difference, man. That's a big difference. Hey Dale man, there's a lot of guys from college basketball, there's only 30 guaranteed spots in the NBA draft. There's a lot of guys throwing their name in the hat, man. Trey Burke, University of Michigan. Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope, the University of Georgia. Uh, Noel from Kentucky. Uh, he had ACL surgery uh, a month or so ago. He's the potential number one pick in this draft. Uh, Porter from Georgetown. Uh Indiana is losing their top two players. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on some of these guys uh, entering the draft and uh, advice you would give them? Ben McLemore, Kansas, this guy that's also in that number one pick hunt.
2: You know, man, um, I don't blame anyone for going for the money because these universities and colleges make millions and millions and millions of dollars off the backs of these young men. And any chance, when they have a chance to go out and make the money, they should go out and make the money.
1: But there when 30 and 40 guys are entering early and there's only 30 slots, you know, uh it, it's not like and there, there's two rounds, but the second round money's not guaranteed. But uh, what you're seeing now is a lot of teams are uh giving these young men that that are going high in the second round that were potential first round draft picks, they're guaranteeing um their contracts also depending on the team and the player. But uh the one thing that's a little different from basketball uh, when you're thinking, when you're talking about football, is that these guys can go overseas and make a whole bunch of money oh, by playing yeah. overseas, and that's an option that's not available in uh, in football. One thing I can say: uh, do your homework. Uh, you know, sometimes these agents uh, sell you a dream. Uh, you, you have to do your homework. You can't leave it up to someone else to to do your homework for you. Uh, at the end of the day, if you feel strong. About um, your decision, and confident in your abilities, then you got to do what you think is best for you. Uh, you should always have a backup plan,
2: and, and that's for sure, Sam. You should always have a backup plan. But some some of these guys' backup plan is to go to Europe, go to Japan, China, play over there for a little while, come back to the states. Matter of fact, during the NBA lockout um, 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 last year, we had players go to um, um, China, play over there
1: and there's the nothing and there's over. nothing wrong with that and, and there's nothing wrong with some guys making a career of that coming back you know no the, they, they're getting a the tax free income they they put them in um apartments, they give them cars, they give them yes. stipends. so you know you're making two three hundred thousand dollars tax free man that's not a bad living man there's nothing wrong with that at all
2: oh no, so that's some of these guys back up plan, you know, and we've had guys in the n b a that go and play don't they instead of going to college for one year. They go to a foreign country and play for one or two years, then they come back and enter the NBA draft. Matter of fact, we have a guy now with the Knicks. He's, I think, he's like thirty-seven years old. He's a he's a rookie. You know, he's played in the European League for many years. So, no, it's a lot of leagues that these guys can go in and play and make money, make a serious living. It's not that way in a, in, a, in any other sport uh, for Americans. Um, you can't do that in baseball. You can't do that in in uh, football. But in basketball, you can go to uh, a lot of countries and make a good living
1: hey Dale. you know uh moving on the nfl off season is uh officially underway uh you know the teams that uh got new coaches and general managers and everything they were allowed to start a week or two early but uh today officially every team is operating their off season uh workout program and uh you know, the, the draft is rapidly approaching, and, and with the the new GMs and coaches, you know, it, it makes predicting the draft uh, kind of hard. You know, uh, pe- people don't really have a feel of what some of these new GMs or coaches are thinking, the type of players that they want to implement into their systems. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on some of these things?
2: You know, man, and... And I guess some of the experience from some of these new GMs is really getting ready to come to the forefront. You know, we've got a lot of teams that have new GMs. One close to us, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have been pretty much in the cellar for many years, and a lot of fans are waiting to see what's going to happen there. You know, Kansas City Chiefs, they have the number one pick. A lot of fans in Kansas City are wondering what's going to happen there. So it's kind of it's, it's up in the air, man, and... and um, you know, you, you wonder is it is it going to be different this year than it was in, a, in the years past with these new people coming in, and let's hope so because Jacksonville needs a serious boost to their um, to their fan base, and in uh, Kansas City they have a strong fan base, but they just need a winning program now that's that's going to
1: change them. Well, well, I'll tell you one thing that I've noticed uh, from this free agency and this off season is that these guys are being very patient. There's a lot of good. Uh, players on the free agent uh, market. And the, and the one thing that I've noticed is they're not overpaying guys, you know, after that first wave, then, then the market kind of shrunk. And, uh, some of these guys aren't getting the, the figures or the dollar amounts that they thought that they would be getting. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. So I really feel that a lot of these new GMs, that they're going to build their teams through the draft. And uh, to me, I feel that that's the best way if you're going to have a successful uh, franchise is to build through the draft. Uh, there was a sign in this week that I, I, I really, really like is that's the Seattle uh, added Antonio Wood uh Winfield from the uh, Minnesota Vikings uh Winfield has been just a steady presence uh when he's healthy for the Vikings secondary I think he's going to add some more punch to that already deadly Seattle secondary and uh, uh just a scary comment that I heard uh this week is that Peyton says that he is better than he was last year and uh to, you know to me that's scary
2: That is scary man that that is very scary especially with when he has Free agent Wes Welker, they signed free agent Wes Welker to be a part of that team. But man, you know uh, James Harrison, man, he know he's he's one of those free agents that has not signed a contract. They yet. say
1: he's close to signing with uh with, with the Cincinnati. Yeah, with Cincinnati. Yeah. And uh, hey, before we leave, Pierre Garçon says that RG three is like Peyton, but he's more dynamic and dangerous. I think that's a really uh, uh, I I agree with a lot of those things, but I just really feel that uh. RG3, he's in his rookie year. He hasn't really had the opportunity to put in that, the body of work that Peyton has. So I, I'm going to hold judgment on that. But, hey, guys, time flies when you're having fun. You're listening to Sports Info. UM on the Voice of America Network, and we will be with you next week. We have an exciting topic to talk about.
2: Hey, Brittany at first pick in the
1: WNBA. All right, all right. Hey, we'll see you next week.